We are nearing the end of the year. I know this seems like, what, September? It's three whole months away. It's coming quick. But we're nearing the end of a year where we've decided as a church and as a teaching team and all of that to focus on what Jesus said. Now, you would hope that a Bible-believing, Christocentric, which means Jesus-centered church, would do that, and we do, but we specifically have been looking at the teachings of Jesus all year long. And I'm really excited to tell you that he has a lot to say about love. It's a lot to say about forgiveness, compassion, kindness. He's a lot to say about truth. A lot to say about judgment. A lot to say about heaven. And actually even more about hell. And so we're getting to a spot where we've got a lot of people who are considering what that means. Life forever or separation forever. And so we're going to look at what Jesus says about that. And we're starting that this week and we'll continue that for a few weeks after this. But before we get going too much farther, I want to ask you to consider this question. Who is Jesus? Who is he? Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah. Cool. What else? Anybody else have any ideas on who Jesus is? Salvation, Savior, Redeemer, good. King, hallelujah, preach. We're in a church, so I know you're going to give me those answers, and I'm super thankful because I believe that you believe those. Do you know there's a lot of opinions on who Jesus is in this world? What are some of the things that people think he is that maybe don't think he's Savior, King, Redeemer, Judge? Some people think he was a prophet, and indeed he was, but they think he was a prophet. But he was the prophet, so testify, that's good. A great teacher, just a human. You guys, and depending on where you're at today, and I'm like, we got a sweet crowd, and most of you probably are in love with Jesus. Most of you probably acknowledge that he is the most high God in the flesh, and I'm glad, and I wouldn't take that away. I'm here to tell you, if he was a prophet or a teacher or just some guy, how in the world could he change everything like he did by his death and his resurrection? And a perfect life. We can't unpack all of that. And like I said, I've got a lot to be able to do. But whether, whether you think Jesus is love or you think he's truth, he's both. Whether you think he's God or man, he's both. According to his own word, out of his own mouth. And we went over that in the beginning of the year. He gave eight I am, seven I am statements about himself. And who is Jesus? It's an important question for us to answer. It's really important that we pay attention to his teaching on that. One of the things, and uh, I've got a, a shirt to prove it. It shrunk while it was in my drawer. It was so crazy. I don't understand it. But it's Jesus saves, bro. And sis, he is indeed Savior. 
but he's also judge. And you're like, well, see, his people are judgy. He's not. He's not mean and wrong about it, but he's judge, and we're going to get right to it. There's three different judgments that people think are in the Bible, and I don't get to elaborate on all that too much. There's a judgment that we're looking at right now in Matthew 25 that's called the sheep and the goats judgment. There's one in 2 Corinthians 5 that's called the Bema Seat or the Judgment Seat where he gives rewards to the believers and that's a cool one. And then in Revelation, there's this great white throne judgment. And I have a number of brothers and sisters in Christ that actually believe those are three different judgments and I think there's probably significant room for them to believe that and I have no separation with them over that. But I look at these and think, boy, it's very possible that they're all three basically it, like the same thing. Some are like, no, 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 this one that you're going to read about today, that's straight up when Jesus comes back after the tribulation, this thousand-year reign, all this kind of stuff, this is where that lies. And sweet, I'm not going to arm wrestle you or fist fight you over. I'd love to talk about it. But today... That's all I'm going to mention about that. I look at this, and he says there's eternal judgment coming. And that's enough for me to pay attention to. And I hope that you will as well. Please join me. Matthew 25, 31 through 33. Who is Jesus? He's awesome. My friend Todd and I were just talking about how awesome he is back there. We, we're pretty cool because of him. He, he alone is awesome. And this is what Jesus said. Matthew 25, 31 through 33 to begin with. When the Son of Man, which is a title for Messiah, Savior, Christ, he's referring to himself in the third person like an athlete, right? (laughs) When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, That word's really cool, nations. It means all the different people groups, and it also can mean, and in this phrase, it means like individual human beings from all these different nations. Individually, they will all be gathered, and he will separate people from one another. As a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. Huh. wait a minute, he gathers all of them and then he's going to separate them? And sheep and goats, what? Wait a minute, don't love that. Quick little note on sheep and goats. Down the end of our street is a family that has sheep and goats. And on a fairly regular basis, one of those two likes to get out and about. <laughs> and I asked my friend John Hunter, who's one of our elders, because he's an animal science major, tell me about sheep and goats. And he said, well, sheep are pretty dumb, but they tend to want to be dry and well-fed and taken care of. So if you give them a spot where all that's provided, they're going to stay for the most part. Goats, on the other hand, 
like to get out and about. I've seen a goat climb a six-foot fence, he said. That's why you see a lot of them tied up when they're clearing whatever it is you want them to clear. Because if not, they will, like Gregory the Terrible Eater shows us in the book, eat anything. And not necessarily like the good stuff that's there. They want to go find some trash. And they'll eat stuff that will even kill them. And I'm like, wow, so this is pretty remarkable, right? Jesus says that his followers are his sheep. And earlier in John 10, he says that my sheep know my voice. No one can snatch them out of my hand. I lay down my life for my sheep. He doesn't have good stuff for the goats. As a matter of fact, when given the opportunity to get a new Bible, and it's literally called a preaching Bible, there was sheepskin and there was goat skin. <laughs> I went ahead and got the goat skin. Just a little reminder that, look, Jesus, the one who gathers everybody for judgment, the one who came to give life to everybody, actually says, not everybody's going to get this life. Not everybody wants it. And so he says that he separated them. To his left were the goats. To his right were the sheep. He will separate And again, you might be thinking of my shirt. But Jesus saves, bro. It's true. He does. But Jesus judges too, bro. And he's allowed. He doesn't need your permission for it. He doesn't ask for it. As a matter of fact, if you keep your finger there in Matthew 25, because we're coming back to what this judgment looks like, we're going to go to John 5, 22 and 23. John is this great disciple of Jesus's. He was known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Again, we think he might have went ahead and given himself that title, but lots and lots of truth in the Bible here comes through John. And he's recording Jesus, and Jesus says this in John 5, 22 and 23. For the Father judges no one. The Father of Jesus is God, Yahweh, the Most High. He judges no one, but he's given all judgment to the Son. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Later on, and I don't have this on the screen for you, but it's a little bonus verse. He says, I can do nothing on my own, verse 30 of John 5. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Later on in John 39, Jesus says something that I think ought to really grab hold, not of our imaginations, but of our hearts. For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. This is a reference to a healing that he just did for a man who was born blind. 
and the religious leaders said it was wrong. You can't do it. You shouldn't have done it that way. And he says, look, you're blind. You don't see what you're supposed to see. That sounds kind of judgy, bro. Sounds kind of mean. They're still alive. Even what we're reading right here, he's saying to people who are still alive and still have a chance to repent, to turn their eyes towards Jesus, to say, I'm blind, I need help. Like Pastor John just shared, it's like, um, you know what I come to the table of salvation with? The need to be saved. <laughs> God, you don't, friend, I love you. God loves you more. You're cute. You're handsome. You're tall. You're wearing Seahawks gear. All the different stuff. You're at church for goodness sake. But apart from Christ, you don't have anything that saves you. And we prove it. John was talking about his week, and I was like, man, get out of my business. <laughs> Sounds real judgy. I had a rough week of recognizing my desperate need for a savior. I didn't do anything nasty. I'm not going to jail for anything, but I absolutely ignored God multiple times. I recognized him multiple times by his grace, but I ignored him. You know that little thing, ah, la, la, I can't hear you. It's not cute. Later on, after Jesus died, rose from the dead, taught some more, shared some more, then literally ascended into heaven, there was this guy named Paul who at one point in his life was a prosecutor, a persecutor, and a killer of Christians came to his senses on a road to Damascus and his eyes were opened, but he was blinded at the same time. Let me explain it really quick. He was knocked down to the ground by a light brighter than the sun, he said. And a voice said, Saul, because that was his name before he was transformed. Why are you persecuting me? And he's like, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. And he said, you're doing wrong. And he rose up blind and was given directions and went into this great place where this guy was like, oh, I'm supposed to help you? But you're a killer of Christians and you've got card to prove it. And God said, don't worry. He's going to know what it's going to cost to live for me. But he's being transformed. He's being saved. And he was. And so he wrote so much. And one of the things that he wrote was something I think that is clear sailing for us to understand that Jesus is not only Savior, but he's judge. He's grace. And he's truth. If you will, join me in Acts 17, 30 and 31 really quick. The times of ignorance God overlooked. It was his grace. Us ignoring, us not knowing, us choosing not to follow. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. This is changing directions. 
This is heading over the pass and realizing, whoa, I forgot the kids. <laughs> Not that we ever have done that. Not that far. <laughs> but you're headed one direction, and repentance is turning around and going the other. And it's not just a 360. You know how people are like, Jesus changed my life. It's like a 360. That's a full circle, bro, and you still keep going in the same direction. <laughs> repentance is a 180 where you turn around and you come back to Christ where you come to him for the first time. And so he says, look, he overlooked the ignorance, but now he commands repentance. I've come, I've lived, I've died, I've risen from the dead, I've ascended, I gave my spirit to all of the people that are my people, and now you're hearing the good news, repent. Because he's fixed a day on which he will judge the world. In righteousness, he's the best judge. He's not like, yeah, I don't really feel like it today. Or, you've got a nice mustache. You're in. You have been really mean. And you smoke. You're out. That's not how to do it. Righteousness means the right way. So the world, he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he is appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is Jesus. He saves, bro, if you believe him. If you believe in him, if you acknowledge him, he judges if you don't. Will other people be judged for the good or the bad they do, even if they're Christians? Yes. But it won't be like, hey, you pile up enough good, you're in. You pile up too much bad, you're out. It's Jesus alone that saves. So, back to him talking about judgment. Matthew 25, 31 through 33, he's like, look, son of man's coming. He's going to separate the sheep and the goats. And then, the king, and he's referring to himself, King Jesus. One of you said that's who he is, and he is. Then the king will say to those on his right, who are the ones on his right? Can you say bat for me real quick? <laughs> Thank you. Some of you are like, man, knew he was going to do it. What's that? <laughs> it was a kid, and it was amazing. Isn't it funny that sometimes goats and sheep sound alike, too? Although goats are a little more like shrill, right? And I'm just like... <laughs> I will say this, I've eaten both, and I like goat better. I'm just being honest. <clears throat> it tastes better. Go to Haiti. Haiti's got some really good goat. All right, anyways, here we go. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I knew who you were going to be from before everything even happened. Come on. You inherit the kingdom. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, uh, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? They're surprised. They're like, what? 
When did we do that? If they were working for their salvation by doing things, this wouldn't be surprising. They'd be like, huh? Been waiting for this. They're righteous. This is what they do. We find out in the book of James that faith without actions is dead. Now, it's faith alone, grace alone. Check out Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We talked a lot about it. It's by grace we've been saved, not our own works. It's faith, and even that's a gift from God. But he has given us good works to do that he prepared in advance for us to do. Like the foundation of the world, he's been around way before all of that, and so he has a plan, and he calls his people. And if you're hearing it today and you know it, then hallelujah. If you're hearing it today and you're like, I don't know if I'm that person, then maybe your eyes and your ears are being opened today to understand this. But for some of you, you're like, this is just weird. I just came to see somebody get baptized. Or this is super weird. I came because I'm into a girl or a guy. Or I came because I don't know why I came. I'm so stoked whatever reason brought you through these doors. But I think Jesus has more for you than just seeing a balding man talk about stuff for 15, 20, 30, 45 minutes. Well, we'll see what happens. All right. Amen. Amen. So they're surprised. When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you and all the rest of the things? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. They're surprised. And Jesus goes, when you took care of these people. Now again, there's so much debate and discussion about who these brothers and sisters are. Are they the Jews in the end time? Maybe. Are they people who are here on this earth that are suffering and they don't even know their brothers and sisters because they're humans? Maybe. Are they Jesus' family in Christ? Were those who hear my word and obey, that's my family? Is that who his brothers and sisters are? Maybe. I think all three could be covered in that. I'm, again, I'm not going to, you know, arm wrestle you over this. That feels a little bit like when Jesus said, love your neighbors, you love yourself. And the guy goes, who's my neighbor? So I'll make sure that I'm not doing too much, but that I'm also not doing too little. And Jesus says, why don't you just go be the neighbor? And so he's like, love my brothers and sisters. I don't think everybody is a child of God. I know that sounds really like a hot take. But I believe that we become his children. We're his creation. We're his image bearers. We are loved by him. But not everybody is his child. You have to actually come to repentance and acknowledge him as father. Because this whole judgment thing freaks people out because they think everybody's in. Just do enough good things or just be nice. Or as we're going to talk about next week, people think that hell is actually just this refining fire for a long, long time, but it makes everybody pure and holy and everybody's in. Jesus doesn't say that. We're about to read where he doesn't say that. Next week, we're really going to hit it hard. And I hope it isn't crickets in here. I hope we have people come. Because Jesus tells the good news and the bad news. He tells that there's a way for you to be set free, and it's him. 
but you're not going to be set free apart from him. And he doesn't keep that information to himself. So I want to bring you to three words really quick that we just read. Kingdom prepared for. Do you remember? Without it being on the screen, you have it in front of you. It's an open book test. Go for it. But do you remember who the kingdom was prepared for? Yeah, for the sheep. I'll give you this hint. We go back to verse 34. The kingdom prepared for you. The righteous, the sheep, those who heard Jesus and believed him. They're his sheep, and so they live accordingly. They do good to people. They're not perfect. They don't earn it, but it's from them. They can't help it. It's an overflow. It's literally a city sit on a hill. It's like the little girl that finally got to go to big church with her mom and dad, and she got there with her little notebook, and she was all excited about it, and she's taking notes, and she's kind of confused looking, and then she looks at her mommy, and her mommy looks down at her, and she goes, sweetheart, what's going on? You, you look confused. She goes, yeah. Like, I know that Jesus like, lives in my heart. I recognize that, and I need him and love him and all that. She goes, yeah, that's good. Is that confusing? No. But pastor just said that he's also God and that he created everything and that he holds everything in the palm of his hand, including all the universes. She goes, that's right, too, honey. She goes, but if he lives inside of me and he's that big, isn't he going to be sticking out all over the place? And she said, I hope so. That's the point that Jesus is God and we're not. And that he holds his people and he prepares a place for them. And he's been gone. And we think, boy, that's a long time. Kathy reminded me, it's been a long time as far as we understand it because he doesn't want people to be separated from him. But people will. We talked about that very recently. There's a narrow path. And the narrow gate, and few are going to be on it, but it leads to life. And there's a wide road, it's a wide gate, and it leads to destruction. And many find themselves on that. I'm getting to preaching stuff that isn't even in my notes, so all right, let's come on back. So there's a kingdom prepared for the righteous, for the sheep, for the ones that believe. Matthew 25, 41 through 46 tells us of another place. Then he'll say to those on his left, and who are they? The goats. The ones that actually don't mind having fellowship. They like, you know, you can see the goats. They're kind of hanging out together, but they're getting into some headbutts every now and then. They don't really want to be led, but they want to be fed, but not necessarily with what you want to give them. They think they've got it figured out. And so he says to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Would you just keep that in your mind for a second? Prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. At this point with drink, I gave myself a note. If you're getting baptized and you need to change your clothes, now is your time to go change your clothes. And then you can come back in. 
It's not because I don't want you to hear the bad news, but you've already identified that you've said yes to Jesus, and the good news is what you get. And you're going to show everybody by this, in the water, dead to myself, out of the water, alive in Christ. So if you need to change, please go do that real quick. So I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Speaking of clothing, it's warm in here. And because Adam and Eve sinned, we can't be naked and have no shame. So here's a fan for you. Enjoy it. I was hungry, and you gave me no food. Thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and imprisoned, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, because the righteous answered the same way. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? If we would have saw you, we would have done it. They were religious. They were what the world would call good people. If they have a chance to do something that's good, they probably would do it. But they were actually not seeing Jesus in people that were in need. And people have turned this into salvation by works, and I'm never going to preach that. And if I accidentally ever do, call me out. But what I am saying is what Jesus is saying, because Jesus said, Depart from me, because you didn't do these things. There wasn't salvation, and you didn't come out in what you did. So, like, when did we ever see you that way? Then he'll answer them, saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment. More on that next week in greater detail. But eternal is forever. Punishment will be forever. For those who do not believe, who have not submitted, who have not acknowledged. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. But the righteous will go into eternal life. Now back to the eternal fire real quick. Who is that prepared for? The devil and his angels, fallen angels. The devil is a fallen angel. Again, more on that next week. But here's the reality of it. I don't believe that that was initially prepared for people. But it is a place where people are going to go. Because they're going to choose not to believe. Either they're too smart to, or this is a bunch of hypocrites in their lives like we talked about for the last couple of weeks, and so they see there and like, nah, Christianity's a big mess. Uh, maybe like Gandhi, I like your Jesus, but I don't like his people. But here again, if you can say out of your mouth, I like Jesus, he's perfect. His people aren't. We're being perfected. We're his people. We're going to set an example, and we're going to set a poor one sometimes, and that's where repentance, turn around, come back. But the reality is, friend, this 
is straight out of the mouth of Jesus. There is a place prepared for the devil and his angels. And in Revelation, it's also for the people who don't believe. Who looked at the lamb and Jesus talked so much about hell and who it was for. So next week, we're going to get into greater detail. What's hell and who's going to be there? You're like, well, you already gave me the answer. But there's greater detail, and we can have more time. So next three weeks, we're going to talk about heaven and hell. So I didn't have it on the screen unless, Bethany, like, saved my bacon again. But I want to ask you, how can you move toward Jesus today? How can you move towards him? You can confess that he's the Lord. You can believe that God gave him for your sin because you needed somebody to pay for that. You can believe that God raised him from the dead. You can be saved. And again, next week, we're going to talk about what we're saved from. But I'll say it to you right now. It's God's wrath because he's righteous and perfect and holy. But you're also saved from hell, which is where God's wrath is laid out for the rest of eternity. You could also say, look, I've been a little wishy-washy on this whole heaven and hell thing. I don't like it. It seems like God is love and there's no way he would do anything bad. You know what? Even a world that doesn't follow Jesus knows that there's right and wrong. There's good and bad. And they will judge us that are Christians by whether we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. By God's grace, I'm covered by Jesus, but I blow it. And I blow it on a semi, okay, a most... Often. And yet God keeps bringing me and keeps refining me. And sometimes I don't make the same mistakes over and over again. And I'm being transformed by the renewal of my mind. And you can be as well. So I know that there's children downstairs that are going to want to see. Because there's children getting baptized and there's adults being baptized. So what I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to have the folks that are getting baptized, young and old, come on up, and we're going to talk about this. By the way, hold on. This is my last, how do I move towards Jesus? You obey him. And obedience is doing what he says. And not only did he command baptism, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've taught and I'll be with you for the rest of forever. But it's actually living out what you believe, not just obeying in certain spots. Friend of mine, Steve Mitchell, pastor, father in the faith, used to give me a picture like this all the time. It's like this line is the Holy Spirit. This gap between this line and here is the light. It's life. It's what God has shown you. And some of you right now are like, oh, I need him for life, and so you're coming to him. And he's so good, and he refines us, and he makes us more like his son. Jesus will never be Jesus. We'll never be 100% perfect like Jesus until we're glorified in heaven. But today, here, sometimes the Holy Spirit says, here's some stuff you need to work on, because all this stuff over here has been the dark. You don't even know about it. But God raises your awareness, opens your eyes. And so many of you, He's talking to you. You need to share about the good and the bad 
of the reality of loving and following the Lord or not following the Lord. A step towards Jesus is that you would be honest about heaven and hell. And you would tell the good news. Thank <laughs> you.